0: I was watching Ben Chilwell pull his hamstring and then carried the tunnel, and All he that. was practically dead. Yeah, actually, when he had passed away, like that—that word was used. Oh, its a tragedy. Subscribe now to the
1: OTB Football Podcast stream wherever you get your podcasts, and download the OTB Sports app. Zeebo
2: going on his own. He gets the try.
1: The Red Seventy-Eight We're both monster people. Everybody gets over the line. Try from monster. Nobody knows monster rugby better. Hello and welcome along. I'm Alan Quinlan, and you're listening to episode 44 of the Reds 78 here on the Rugby Channel. And with me is always is Neve Briggs, but we've also got a special guest this morning. Neve, joining us today is monster and Irish rugby legend CJ Stander. Uh, CJ, thanks a million for coming on. How's life? Uh, and What's it like being back in Ireland? We did the game on Saturday. It was it was it was enjoyable? Ireland, we're happy to won, but what's it like for you being back here for the first time since? Uh, that shock decision to the, to to decide to retire, eighteen months ago, is it? We're on that now. Yeah.
0: Hey, Quinny, uh any if you ask, it's good to be back. Uh, thanks for having me. Um, just so the last uh, few days has been special, uh, just being back and just experiencing what we've always experienced as a family—to be uh, part of, part of, and taken in uh, from the Irish culture and uh, the, the Ireland supporters and the Manchester supporters. Um, we we went D- Dublin for a few days and down in uh, Limerick now for. a uh, for two days already so uh it's, it's great to be back uh yeah i uh, probably think it was a big shock for for everyone but uh it was a decision that uh I wouldn't say it was lightly uh, thought of but um, i just knew it was the right time the right decision the right place to make it uh to finally say goodbye and hang up the boots and i think i shocked a few people by not going back and playing again i think a lot of people said ah, i'm surely going to play again but uh, I felt, I always felt that uh, I'll never do that to the monster. and would change it to go somewhere else and uh, to, uh, not to ruin my image, but to ruin that relationship I have with the, both teams and, and everyone involved. Do you yeah,
1: have? you have 105th, sorry, Niamh. I just want to say, call out your, your number, CJ. You have 156 caps for Munster, which is very impressive, considering, you know, you were playing for Ireland for a lot of those, couple of those years as well. Uh, 51 caps for Ireland and of course you were on that British and Irish Lions tour in 2017 and you came on in one of the tests if, I, if I'm right uh, you won in 2016 Rugby Writers Player of the Year 2000 and that was in uh, September I think in May that year you won Rugby Players Player of the Year award so you got brilliant recognition and had an incredible uh, impact in, in Irish rugby and I think um Certainly, question marks about the whole uh, overseas players coming here as project players and, and playing for, for different countries. It's obviously changed now. World rugby have changed that up um, a good bit. Um, so what, what was the whole experience like as a youngster coming to, to Munster in 2012? And, and uh, tell us a little bit about the reaction and, and how you and Jan marie enjoyed that.
0: Yeah, I think my journey was a bit different. Uh, I, I was playing at the Bulls, and I remember Sean Payne uh, back then was uh, in South Africa for uh, looking for a winger actually. And uh, I know you just uh, you were just retiring that year before, and uh, there's a, there's a bit of a, a gap in the loose forward rankings. And he asked me about it, and I, I didn't really take a lot of no, notice to it. And uh, he rang me up in June that year, uh, 2012, and he said, "Look, there's a big gap now. Do you want to actually? Do you want to?" Come over. I think I signed a one-year, eight-month deal. Uh, that time, it's, it felt a bit weird to sign a yeah. What was that? That's twenty-month uh, contract. And um, yeah, came over. No clue. No English. What I was doing. Uh, I knew about Munster. Obviously, I've seen him playing European games. And uh, my grandfather was a is, a is a big rugby fanatic. And uh, yeah, when we uh, when we arrived here, uh, obviously didn't have a lot of money. So uh, a great story that. I've told a few times that uh, I stayed in the Castle, po- Tri- po- Castle Troy Park Hotel for six days, and um, I think I had a thousand euros to my name. And uh, I was in a hotel, trying to save money because I was just engaged to Johnnie, and uh, she was going kind to of come over. Uh, I think uh, end of November, um, and I was cooking uh, two noodles and uh, <laughs> and uh, eggs in the, in the kettle, trying to save money. And uh, I went down. Niall Donovan picked me up from the from the hotel, and. Uh, as I went down to reception, the lady asked me, did you enjoy the amenities, the pool and the spa and stuff? And I said, ah, I thought I had to pay for that. She said, no, 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 it was all on the house. And uh, she said, at least you probably enjoyed the breakfast, lunch and dinner, the free breakfast, lunch and dinner. So me there in the room, <laughs> yeah, at least I saved some money. Uh, but um, no, the journey and the, and the experience we had was was unreal. You know, I think coming from uh, South Africa, we, we've got our family and our friends close by and uh, coming over here, not having that sports structure, man, I must say we were we lived in um, a small estate in uh, in Limerick in uh, Maltown Manor, and the neighbours just pulled us in. We were we almost had to to fight people off to have us over for dinners and for lunches, and uh, that uh, that made us feel welcome from the start. And then as soon as I got involved with the team, and the, the thing I realised is if you buy into the the culture and the team, and um also now, uh, if you buy into the, the Munster the monster way, you know, um, people people want you there and they want to make sure you're happy and you're safe. You know, uh, a guy like Paul O'Connell made a lot of time for me and my family. And um, I remember the first time we met him, well, my wife, Jamri, met him. He knew exactly who she was, what she was doing swimming-wise. And for me, a guy who has 100 caps for Ireland uh, to, to take some time to uh, spend some time to make sure he knows my family was, was quite impressive. And uh, we felt welcome from day one. Uh, That's why we came back this week, just to, my wife couldn't say goodbye uh, because of COVID. So uh, she's been very emotional this whole week and uh, I've just been driving around.
2: (laughs) CJ, I think just a couple of things there. So I remember my first time meeting you, we were both training on the track down in the arena and you had just broken your hands and you had played like... I think you went through a good few train sessions, maybe half a game, and not told anybody because you were afraid that if you you had said afraid <laughs> if you had told them that they'd have sent you back home. <laughs> um, but I, I think the biggest thing probably that you know uh, from my perspective is do you, do you have any regrets in relation to, to retiring so early?
0: Neither. Uh, that, that that uh, was special. You know, I asked when I broke my my hand. Uh, I asked Ian, Ian Costello just to put yeah. it back into place on the pitch and uh, I literally it away for about two weeks and then I couldn't take it anymore because like you know my game I can't I didn't really pass uh, while I was playing I couldn't pass yeah. then with a broken hand so I'd worked out but I just had too much pain but uh no no regrets from uh for retiring so early i um it was funny we we were playing against uh Holocaust in a european game and um, yes i had a, I, I felt that had a good game and I was actually uh, lucky enough to be man of the match again but I, I wasn't happy and I uh, just got in the car that evening and rang Johan, uh, we were very close and rang Jarmory and I said uh, we need to chat sat down and I just said to him something is wrong, uh, I don't really know what it, what it is but I need this week just to make sure that uh, but I think I'm going to retire and both of my wife was like <laughs> she laughed at me, she said you're concussed or you're crazy and uh, we just spoke about it and I sat down and we played Clermont a week after that, and uh, I, I knew then I was going to retire. So it just felt like, uh, big, uh, like look the last few few months and last few years. Sorry, last few months. I, 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 that edge of me being competitive, I lost that. Um, you probably couldn't see it as a, when you watch the games, but in the gym, uh, in my preparation, I just felt I was a bit off, and I and I knew I'm not going to get it back. Um, the body's at 32; it's quite old. Um, I've played a lot of games, and uh, I prided myself uh, when I was playing that I always wanted to play eighty minutes. i was one of those guys who walked off the pitch when uh, when Yuan or Rasi or ever actually pulled me off at sixty minutes. I would be like looking at the stand, like what the hell are you doing? Like I'm supposed to play eighty. So uh, I had my fair due. I had my fair due. So no regrets now.
1: And when you made that decision, CJ, um, was it difficult, kind of keeping it to yourself? Um, and did it give you a, did it make you a bit more relaxed and comfortable? You know, when you have big decisions in your life to make and you actually make the decision. Um, I don't know, maybe you're one of these people that kind of once the decision is made, that's it. I I would procrastinate over it. I would wonder, is the right thing, the wrong thing to do? Um, did you kind of go right? Decision is made. I'm happy and comfortable. And how difficult was it kind of to keep it quiet?
0: Yeah, I um, I rang a, a lot of people that's uh, that, that's mentors to me, and I spoke to them, and I, uh, 50, it was a 50-50 result. You know, a lot of them were like, "You're crazy. They, uh, just take a bit of time, sign another deal." And uh, I just, I, I knew when I said it to myself, that's it. Uh, I'm one of those guys. If I make a decision, I've uh, I follow a process, and I got to that decision. And I said, right, that's it. Uh, I'm calling it here, and uh, I, I didn't look back. I just rang a few mates and a few friends just to. To let them know, and uh, just to let them keep it quiet. But um, it wasn't that uh, I, I didn't go around and tell everyone. But uh, I try to keep it to myself. Uh, it wasn't that difficult. I felt way more relaxed, and uh, it, it felt like I started enjoying rugby again. Um, it was one of those ones where I, I was uh, I, I enjoyed the, the preparation and everything. To, and it comes to a Saturday before the game, and then I just get this feeling on my, on my body or in my mindset that another game you know that was and I really hated that feeling I didn't I didn't uh start playing rugby when I was a kid not to enjoy it so went through the whole week all all the preparation all the training and then I get to a Saturday and I'll be like ah oh, you know I'm not good enough or I'm not gonna I'm not gonna enjoy this and that 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 hit me a little bit as soon as I made that decision well, what, that was, was all was, the that, uh, gone.
1: was is there a lot of pressure CJ on being a top class international or professional rugby player even even and, and- you know, at club level, um, is there is there a lot of pressure, and is that can that be tricky for for you know you always portrayed someone who was very confident, um, and you kind of alluded a little bit there that you start doubting yourself a little bit in confidence. So it just probably goes to show every sports person can, you know, kind of have that a bit of emotional roller coaster. And are you relieved now that that pressure is gone? I always found when I retired. Um, I loved every minute of the games and the buzz and the excitement and the gift we were given to be able to play um, at the top level. But I certainly didn't miss the performance, the pressure on Saturday. It's like going on stage, isn't it? If it's a good performance, you feel great, and if you know, sometimes you can doubt yourself a little bit like that.
0: I'm a confident guy, and uh, you know, you um, as soon as you uh, lose that feeling, that uh, you uh, you've got a lot of pressure. Uh, coming from the outside, I think when I started evolving in the game and started turning into a leader in the, in the group and getting more involved in the squad and the, in the and the monster setup in general and on Ireland as well, I think there's a lot of pressure to perform as a as a senior player and as a as a leadership uh, player in the group. You know, so there's more lot lot more pressure, and I think that puts a damper and takes a bit away from from your own personal game. Um, and in the last few years, it was. Uh, it was always from the beginning like that, but I just swept it off. But uh, to be a foreign player uh, was, was a bit more difficult because I felt I had always had to perform a little bit better than uh, anyone else to make sure that I uh, kept my place in the team, you know, because that is a talking point that um, that did happen through my career, you know. It's, it's It was always like, yes, he's good, but there's another guy who's just as good. Why would we pick him, you know? So that uh, put a lot of pressure on me as well. And and the family as well. Uh, I think my wife did very well to uh, to make sure I stay calm. But she knew that uh, the way she needed to handle me during big weeks. Um, the big weeks was actually the ones I enjoyed. The smaller weeks where uh, we, we played away games against uh, Zebra or Treviso where we were probably more, more worried about performing and getting a win.
1: CJ, we, we put out a tweet um, yesterday and Neve is going to... you you the Munster fans love you, uh, absolutely love you. What you did for Munster, the passion you played with. So I put out a tweet yesterday, as I do every week for the podcast. And Neve has a uh, a load of questions there. She uh, you Good. can you can go through some of them, Neve. And uh, these are from the fans. We always try and engage the fans here in the podcast to have let them have their say with with Monster's performances. But there's certainly a few questions for you there as well.
2: And CJ, I, you'll see loads of them were actually not questions; they were just telling uh, you how much they loved you, and uh, they tagged you on Twitter, so you can you can have a look at them. But um, Brian Lawler wanted to know what happened to your lovely Limerick accent, and um, how, how life is after rugby in South Africa, and how different it is to Ireland.
0: Uh, Brian, I never really had a Limerick accent. You know, I it's funny when I'm in South Africa when I speak English there people don't understand me, you know, so I'm I'm in limbo at the moment with uh, being uh, international or a foreigner in South Africa as well now, but uh, <laughs> I'll uh, I'll take that, at least I learned my English uh, in Limerick, but uh, yeah, life after rugby is good, uh, I spend a lot of time with the family, I'm in uh, construction, uh, so I'm a project manager on, uh, at Valdivie Construction, so I do new developments, new homes and a bit of restorations as well, so uh, that keeps me quite busy and uh, the difference for me, uh, just being back, uh, it's is just the weather. If the weather was a bit better, I would have stayed 100%. But uh, but it's good to be back to the, close to the family as well. Uh, I think uh, my parents and my uh, family-in-law, when I see Everly, uh, you can just see the light in their eyes going up. So it's good to be back.
2: That's brilliant. You're doing a lot of running now, I noticed, on uh, social media. Um, how's that going? <laughs>
0: No, that's Jomari's fault. Uh, she, uh, <laughs> s- someone uh, told her in, in in primary school that she uh, she runs like a Teletubby tubby, and uh, she never ran. <laughs> so uh, she just started running, and uh, it's scary. She's uh, she's just signed a deal with uh, one of the biggest running clubs in South Africa, and uh, she's looking to do the New York Marathon in two years' time. So wow. uh, I just have to follow her to. Uh, I don't know. It's, I'm not very good. I'm too big. Quinny would know. We're not. We're not making to run too far.
2: Uh, very good uh, Jack Quinn wanted to know if you had to kit out one last time for Munster to play South Africa or one last time to play for Ireland what would it be so would you kit out for Munster or would you kid out for Ireland
0: oh yeah so actually think about it it would actually be great to play on Thursday night for Munster I think it's that's, uh, that's going to be I think Thursday night's going to be special uh, you've sold out uh, Munster probably struggling uh, a bit, but I think this is probably the kick they, they need, you know, there's a lot of young guys coming through and, uh, but yeah, it'll be uh, Thursday night will have been unbelievable.
2: Speaking of those young boys, Jack wants to know, uh, the young players, uh, who excites you most in that young playing group?
0: Look, I, he's, he's probably, it feels like he's a senior already, but Jack Crowley for me is uh, the someone we need to put down and realise that he's going to be uh, the next uh the next big uh, 10 out there, you know, he plays well. He, he knows how to handle the game. And he impressed me so much playing fullback. Um, he's, he's already looks like he's a great leader in the squad. Uh, so he's someone that really stands out for me. And it's good to see that a uh, younger guy like that has confidence in the team to stand up and, and do his own thing.
2: Yeah, it's obviously, you know, huge, I think, especially within this group, because there's so many young players there, it's important. I suppose that they're starting to, to pull through. And um, Dara Crowley wants to know what your view on Munster's approach this year versus the Van Grand Razzie era.
0: I think, um, like, look, with uh, all new things, it takes a bit of a bit of a, a time to get together to regroup and stuff. I've actually watched their games intensely. Um, they, the, the only thing that they need to sort out is looking after the ball. Uh, I think uh, if they can make sure. They do that. Um, the, obviously, the fence has picked up a lot. Uh, um, all the Everyone coming in with all the new coaches, I'm very impressed with the fence. Um, I, checked, I just spoke about it earlier, the rock speed against Ulster was two seconds. If they just keep the ball, um, they would be very, very impressive. Uh, they've, they've scored some very good tries. And again, there's some young players coming through. So, big difference for me is um, they're probably trying to, they try to look after the ball a bit more. Um, especially with uh, Rasi's game plan as you can see with the spring walks, uh, we never played in our own half and we just kicked the ball away and, and almost let the other team make the mistake um, and then we, we try to capitalise on that but now at the moment it looks like they're trying to uh, create more opportunities for themselves and, and see if they can play from anywhere
2: yeah I think that's kind of like indicative of where the game is going to be fair I think the game is involving a lot and um, I think when you look at Razzie's style and um, say the style within Ireland at the moment, it's it's a bit like chalk and cheese to a certain extent in terms of, of that, that territory pressure. The last question we have for me is Tom Lundrigan. He he um he tweets into us a lot and he wanted to know about the time that you had called it a day, which you had already spoken about, but also he watched a Razzie video analysis of the Ireland Africa Tests on Saturday and he wanted to know like is he Was he always like that post-analysis? Like, I know we obviously watched, the, I don't know if you got to see the brilliant South African documentary after, yeah. um, but the big thing that stuck out for me was Raz's ability to get his players on board, like to back his players, yeah. to, to kind of fill you with confidence and didn't really matter what was happening outside the circle. He he just wanted to make sure that we're in that group. Um, look, there's obviously been a huge amount of things been made about those social media and stuff like that. Was he always kind of like that about getting players on board and getting them to play for him and maybe afterwards the, the, the social media stuff maybe? But.
0: Yeah, look, uh, Rashi, well, when, he, when he coached us, you know, he had one thing he always said is that he doesn't really care anything about that happens during the week. Um, if As long as you play on Saturday and you play unbelievably well. So um doesn't matter what happens. You'll look after what, what did, that, that happened good or bad um, he never really crit- criticized the refs that much when uh, when he coached us I think he goes at it a bit more now but um, in in fairness to him he's very uh, his biggest skill is uh, the analytics that he does on teams and players and referees you know that's his big difference and uh, he always always made sure that uh, we know exactly what's needed from us. As a player, individual, and as a as a, as a squad in general, so he, uh, yeah, so he's always always been on on top of that, and uh, he uh, he really made sure that uh, you you bought into into Saturday. It doesn't matter
2: what happens during the week. So, do you mind me asking? Then, just that's kind of like a very old school. We you, you speak these speak about Rocky Elson playing for Leinster. He wouldn't do much in the week, and then rock up and be this amazing player in the match on a Saturday. Do you think that that then takes a huge amount of pressure off players to be able to say, look? Relevant of how training is gone, I know. Come Saturday, you're just going to blow it out of the water.
0: Yeah, I think it takes a lot of pressure away, you know, because, um, as, uh, like everyone wants to train well and play well, but sometimes things don't work. You know, I remember, um, Joe, uh, we played Racing in 2016 away or 15. I Can't remember. We uh, we didn't really even train that week. We were shocking during the week, and we went over there. Thinking to yourself, "Wow, we're going to get out of here." Got off the plane, and uh, we're still playing in the old stadium, and we just kicked the living hell out of him. you know. So that takes the pressure away, you know, because you do have that doubt in your head that you haven't trained well. What does the coach think? What does the backline coach? What? What? What's the thoughts going through the head, you know? And if if you have a guy like that telling you that look, training was bad, and Andy does it, has done it as well before uh, mm-hmm. when, when I was involved in Ireland. He just said, "Look." that's the past, the post uh, just go on Saturday and blow it out of the water that's what you need Brilliant. like that
1: CJ there's obviously um, loads of tweets that Neve could read out more of um but one you know as I said as she said um most of the comments are saying you know a legend, they loved you um how, how does that make you feel that you come back to a, a, a club that you played for for so long? Um, welcomed in, you in, like you said at the start. Um, probably frustrated in your time that you didn't win a trophy, but uh, they love you. Uh, how does that make you feel? And the legacy I was, uh, you left behind with Monster,
0: I, I was when you told when you uh read out the beginning and you said uh, Monster and Irish legends, I felt a bit awkward when you're saying it because obviously you are a Monster and Irish legend, but uh, no, 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 it's uh, it makes me uh, it. it Look, I made a lot of sacrifices, and I've always said this, and I, re- I felt feel Munster has also made a lot of sacrifices in me as a player to get to where, where I was, you know. And um, it, it makes it worth, worthwhile, everything. And uh, I always, and I still have massive respect for, uh, respect for Munster and, and all the supporters uh, Munster and, and, and Ireland has, you know. And um, that's, and it's a mutual it feels like it's a mutual thing. And we, uh, me and my wife, and, and, and my daughter, we, we really uh, love love Ireland. You know, we, we fell in love with the place and we call it home, and we still do. And it, it makes me feel good. Uh, I've made some sacrifices. Everyone else did, and it's uh, it's, it's good to be. And I don't know, almost feel, I uh, almost feel uh, wanted. You know, almost feel uh, that uh, people out there actually enjoyed uh, me playing.
1: During your time with Monster, um, obviously, there's there's pre- we spoke about pressure earlier. Um, Pressure from the supporters, pressure from the media. Uh, and look, the reality is um, Munster haven't won a trophy in, in it's 11 years now. Um, how difficult was that? Because he came so close on so many occasions. And did you feel that pressure? And, and was that a big motivator? I'm sure all the players wanted to win at times, but there was some kind of rocky patches as well and some great happy memories as well. But... Um, it would have capped it off if you'd got a trophy as well. But um, how did you deal with that, or, or you know, did those ups and downs along the way with Monster?
0: Look, Winnie, I think it's eleven years. I think you were still playing when Monster uh, won something lost, and uh, it is difficult. So, um, look, I think um, it's 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 uh, heartbreaking uh, thinking back, and I didn't want win anything with uh, Monster um, because when you every year we sat down and we said all the competitions we're involved with, we want to win. A trophy and uh, that's something we wanted to give back to supporters and the club in general um, and we had loads of success with Ireland and that was that was great you know but for me always Munster was number one and um, it was my biggest thing that we always a lot of people say oh the supporters and the media uh, put a lot of pressure on the team and the players I sat down one day at the airport and uh, I took my wife we were going to Marseille and I think it cost a uh, 1,500 Euro for her to go over for two days and stay in a hotel and our plane was full of master supporters and the next plane was full of master supporters and so for me when someone uh, gives that much to a club that much time that much financial to a club and, and uh, to to go on a weekend like that and that's every weekend I felt that they have a say uh, they can say that they're disappointed and um, and, and that they're uh, happy with our success if we are successful you know so I always felt that I wanted to give back to the supporters because they've made time they, they've made uh, financial sacrifices to go around the whole world to see us play and uh, it does put pressure on, on players and uh, that's probably one thing that I wish uh, I could do as a player to bring back a trophy to Monster, but that didn't happen
1: I, Sport can be cruel though sometimes CJ as well you know, and that is sport, that's way we, we teach our children and that's what we have to realise when we Growing up, and they're the tough parts of it, but there's obviously so many happy memories. I just want to ask you, before um, I move on to Ireland, um, just, you know, what happened to Axel obviously had a profound effect on everybody, but for you um, and your fellow teammates at that time, it was uh, an incredibly difficult time, and actually to have to go out and play and continue on with the day job. Something he would have wanted, and that's what probably happened. How difficult was that for you, and and what are your your fond memories of of Axel as a coach and as a friend?
0: Yeah, we um, that was that weekend was tough. You know, we uh, we went over there, and we actually that whole week we were ready to go and beat Rasing uh, in our heads. We were ready. Like uh, Axel uh, got everyone bought into the the game plan and Rasi as well, and. Yeah, that that hotel was ah, it was 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 it was uh it was quite bad, you know. It's uh, something that not a lot of people go through, but no, no one knows how to act. That's the thing. You've got forty people with with different reactions, and um, we got through it. We got back to uh, Limerick, and I remember that week we sat down as a leadership group, and we said to ourselves that I think the game was actually cancelled. The next game against Glasgow, we just sat down and. A few of us said that uh, we can't we can't give Glasgow five points. Axel would literally, you'd probably wake up uh, out of the grave and come kick the uh, living hell out of us, you know. <laughs> so, we made a decision not to train that week at all, go to the funeral on Friday and uh, play the game on Saturday. Um, and uh, I think that was probably the best decision we could have made. You know, I think a lot of people had a lot of feelings and uh, didn't say goodbye and... Just to have everyone in that stadium and to be part of that day and that that uh, feeling as a as a community in general was uh, quite uh, special, you know. But uh, my times with Axel was we've uh, we've had very good ups and very good uh, very very low downs, you know. We uh, we spent a lot of time together in 2015, 16, uh, 14 as well when we as a group didn't do well and, I, and Pete was away with Ireland a bit of it. Where he was injured, so I was captaining for a while and um, I actually then saw. Axel's real side you know and I that's where I I realized that that he was he was monster if you uh, if you would cut him open and take a blood sample they would say monster through and through and he just wanted the best for the team you know and uh, my best memory with him was probably uh, he would he would uh, always let me do uh, fitness afterwards or poaching or some drill and he would be so not say negative but he would always give me so much shit really and uh, I would always walk away thinking why the hell am I doing this and uh, when I had my first cap for Ireland he just uh, texted me and said well kid there you go Uh, you don't have to say thank you but it's all my time I've spent in you and now you've made it so uh, that was quite special
2: That's um, very like those memories are huge and they'll be probably things that last forever like when he talks about his playing days every week on this pod, and we're trying to get him to understand that he's long retired now, and we continue to <laughs> have to listen to him.
1: So tell but me about I'm your, I'm sure, I'm sure, I'm sure both of you agree, though. Uh, genuinely, it was just, it was an, such a sad occasion. But that day, so that match against Glasgow, CJ, I don't think people will ever forget that day. It just mm. had this coming together of all the Munster fans, the players. Um, And I don't know if the All Blacks are the best South African team ever turned up that day. I don't think Munster were losing that game. It was incredible. And it was an incredible tribute to Axel and his family, to Olive and the boys as well. And uh, really special. I was really proud to be, be, um, you know, to be connected with Munster in a way, to feel some way connected with 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 Munster Rugby. And I know so many people felt the same. It was just really special. It's a day people will never forget, um, mm-hmm. even from outside the province, rugby people throughout the world. That was just kind of an iconic moment in sport, a coming together of people and um, you know, in, in incredibly difficult circumstances, it was it was a, a really special kind of tribute. To Anthony. But anyway, if you want to ask uh, CJ about um, uh, all the abuse you yeah, took as a, as a project, Claire.
2: <laughs> um, like, my overriding memory of you playing rugby for Ireland didn't have anything to do with your ability on the pitch. It was the first time Aaron Levine was sang, and you belted out word for words. And I think at that moment, whatever a you know, you must have copped abuse or flack from people on this world, social media, whatever it is. But I think at that moment across the country was the moment that you were accepted into Irish Eyes and Hearts, I think, because that was just, that was such a poignant moment. And I know you spoke before or afterhand about Donika Ryan helping you to learn the words and, and, and doing all your homework. I think that just... I think you were very clever. You you bought into those hearts and minds very quickly, and it was brilliant.
0: Yeah, I um, I my biggest thing was that I wanted to show that uh, I want to be part of uh, of uh, this team and this country and this uh, this culture, you know. And I said this uh, a few years ago already: is that Ireland the monster put a lot of time, a lot of uh, money into me as a player, and I actually just wanted to give something back, and uh, I. I thought about it for long, and the biggest thing, I just didn't want to go out there and start singing around a vein and not knowing where, what's the background. And as soon as I sort of uh, heard about the background and um, learned the story and the song, then I said to myself, Well, this is the, uh, just singing this is going to gee me up for this game anyway. So I just took that opportunity, and uh Masa had great support. Uh, Donica Ryan was like, If it wasn't for him, I wouldn't have a chance. You know, he was in my room. He was, at the end of the day, I, like, I, stopped, I changed the rooms and I didn't tell him what my number was because he was just keep on banging <laughs> on the door to make sure I didn't get it in, you know. And yeah, I, uh, I felt that uh, I was uh, I, I did get a bit of abuse uh, for both sides, good and bad. But um, for me, really, it was just for me and myself saying, I'm part of the country now. I've got my Irish passport. I'm here to stay and I'm, I'm here to, to uh, make this team better. And uh, that was my big motivational point.
2: Brilliant.
1: And you got uh, you got player of the match in that first game. Just take us back to that Welsh game in Dublin. You're named in the squad in January 2016, and then uh, you play that game. And you got, I suppose, what's become in some in some circles the CJ Stander Man of the Match award. That's what I get slagged about because I give it <laughs> to you a good few times over the years, but. Um, That must have been an incredibly special day to go out uh, in that first game and win the game and and get player to match as well. Yeah,
0: I remember um, Josh Smith um, just started talking to me just before the last uh, 2015 World Cup and uh, I qualified that November and um, I remember driving in the car in Limerick uh, saying to my wife that I'm not in. You would have got an email by now or a phone call. And uh, we sat down and, at like a tuna that all of us know and got the email, uh, excited, uh, confused and not knowing what's going to happen next and arrived in the carton house, trained for two weeks and uh, we, were, we were in the team hotel and we did a walkthrough and didn't look like me. Like for me, Joe Smith is probably the best coach I've ever worked with so uh he had a way to work with me that only he could do you know he uh, he almost made me feel that I'm not good enough you know uh, in, in a good way because he really brought out the best in me every week you know so that week was tough he was on my case like every second of the day and uh, he selected me in the squad and to start I couldn't believe that and uh, went out and uh, played against uh, Wales that was wow uh you know Quinny and me if you know that Provincial rugby to test level is, is is not a small step up. It was for me, it was like two different worlds, and uh, just to be part of that and be strong and fit enough, I was probably I probably played my best rugby in 2016, 17. And I'm glad I made my debut then because I was fit, strong, and mentally in the right space, and uh, that was a great day for me and the family. So, uh, what was the reaction? We, uh,
1: what was the what was the reaction back home with your friends that you grew up with, you played with South African under-20s, your family? Your family would back you 100%. Your friends back, back in South Africa, what was the reaction like with those you. Yeah,
0: yeah, I got a good bit of stick, you know. I, uh, they knew I couldn't talk a lot of English, so uh, they didn't really. They said I'm probably at the wrong spot. Uh, I probably just walked in there and uh, just said to them that I'm here now. But I uh, <laughs> got a lot of stick. They, uh, especially the boys I played in the twenties with, uh, they uh, just said that uh, they can't believe it, you know. So um, I had a good few friends who's in the Springbok squad as, as well now. But uh, it's all good. It's all good. Crack. It's not uh, nothing negative. Luckily. Can I?
1: Well, can I ask you? we too far. Yeah, go sorry. Ahead, Nave, sorry.
2: Just, I just, I'm just very curious. Um, so obviously, I'm the coaching band right now in relation to what was so good about Joe Schmidt in terms of how he brought the best out of you? And and so many others, by
0: the way. I just think his, uh, his rugby brain, firstly, is uh, exceptional. You know, we, When we beat New Zealand in Chicago, he uh, he, he called out the numbers uh, and the tries we had to score. He worked out uh, the game plan that's going to beat them. And we just followed that down to the T and, and that's exactly what happened. Uh, that's one example. But uh, as a player, as an individual uh, being coached by him, he never like uh, it was. I always felt that he's almost like a he's almost like a father, but an angry father. You know, he's always on my case in a good way. He um, he made sure. Sometimes he would tell me at captains around that uh, yes, you had a bad training week and uh, you didn't really train well, and uh, he's not really sure if I should start stuff like that. And I'll be still angry going into Saturday. Then I'll play unbelievable. Then afterwards <laughs> I'll tell John I'm like. This guy, like, it's unreal. I don't know how he does it, but if he dealt with me any other way, I probably wouldn't have performed, you know. So, uh, yeah. for me personally, I think he knew exactly. He's a very good uh, player manager. He knows what player needs what, and um, he looked after me as a player. Like, f- from my side, he was literally the best coach I ever worked with. And uh, when he uh, when he said um, he's, he's gone, you know, I was I I, I felt that. Um, that was probably time for me to go as well, you know, because I was wondering who's going to bring the best out of me. But uh, his man management and his his, uh, his knowledge of the game was was unbelievable. And a lot of people can't deal with that, you know. Um, I think a lot of guys just couldn't take the pressure that he gave you. yeah. Um, and they just moved on. But that's what he, he wanted from a player, to take pressure and to turn that into a, a diamond. It's a cliche, but that is it.
1: Yeah, love it. And then you went on and played for the British and Irish Lions, CJ. Uh, that must have been incredibly special as well. I actually hate mentioning the Lions because uh, it doesn't bring back good memories <laughs> for me uh, from two thousand and nine. But you know, uh, going on that tour, uh, playing, I suppose, developing as a player with Monster first and foremost, then being ready to go up play with Ireland, getting all that detail off Joe, and being confident. That must have been the icing on the cake in 2017 when you went on that tour. Um, phenomenal achievement, really.
0: Yeah, I, I actually never thought that I was uh, was going to uh, play for the Lions. You know, we we were training and uh, all the other teams, like they sat down and watched the announcements. We actually were training with Munster. And uh, the groundsman actually came to me and he goes, oh, you're in the Lions squad. And I was like, there's no way. You probably... He's probably uh, taking the piss out of me. And uh, yes, I uh, got selected. But then I did my ankle against the uh, Saracens, uh, did my sithmosis. I was on the verge of not going. And uh, I just said to myself, I just have to get this ready. And I went on tour and unbelievable uh, to see, to work with uh, top-class players across the world or across, the, across Europe uh, to go to New Zealand and to... Uh, to be part of, I was part of, it's it's weird, I was part of both squads really, I was playing for the midweek teams, and then also playing on the, on the test, uh, training in a test match week, you know, so, uh, juggling that, and I think I played, I think I actually played seven tours, six or seven games on tour, uh, but uh, to play in that last test, the second test was the Benz, I didn't go on, uh the last test to go on, and uh, draw a series was, was confusing when we drew, I thought we were going to play another 10 minutes, but, uh we got through it, and uh, that was that was unbelievable uh, experience, and just an achievement uh, to be part of. And my family was they was still very proud, and it's one of the best achievements I have in my career for sure.
1: When when you look back and uh, you look at the, your career as a whole, in a whole, um, people said you were too small in South Africa. They wanted you to be a hooker. You got called into the South African squad in 2012 to train with them, but didn't get picked for the rugby championship. When you look back now and you look at the journey of Munster, Ireland, British and Irish lines, the great teammates you made, friends you made, the the, the way people kind of supported you and backed you in Ireland, how, how does it make you feel? Are you really content in yourself and proud of of uh, what's what's happened for you in the last number of years?
0: Yeah, I, uh, if I look back and uh, sometimes I forget uh, the decisions and the road I had to take, you know, but if I look back, I'm content, you know, I'm I'm happy. And um, it, it just, for me, it shows again that uh, your life is, is set out for you, really. You just have to walk the road and there's going to be kinks and there's going to be ups and downs and there's going to be times where you really doubt yourself. You know, I in 2011, 12, I almost just went back to the farm and said, I'm not even going to play anymore. Because I was so down in the dumps with myself and then got picked up by Munster and then, uh, again, things just grew and and, and grew, you know. And uh, just for me as a person, I went from a little boy and did something I loved, playing rugby. Learned uh, a different culture, uh, lived in a different country and um, had an opportunity to to play uh, for a team that I think is uh, probably is obviously set in uh, history, but probably one of the best clubs and will stay one of the best clubs in Europe, uh, in the world, and that's Munster, you know, but, uh, that for me is is something that no one can ever take away. And I uh, sometimes when it, it's tough at work and struggling with uh, deadlines, <clears throat> I uh, say to myself that I, uh, I've, I've gone through worse, you know, and uh, to get all, through all of that and all the achievements, it was worthwhile.
2: <clears throat> Look, that... <clears throat> The big thing for me that, as I come off this call in a few minutes, is in relation to. I can't help but think how brave you are to make a decision like that, you know, to understand your thought process, to be brave enough to say, "Look, I, I'm if I don't have my competitive edge, then like I, I don't want to be playing this game because you're not going to get the best out of me." Queenie and I both have definitely been there where we haven't enjoyed it and pushed through it, and in terms of probably wrongly definitely in my in my in relation to my playing career like gosh you know what i mean that's definitely something that i probably stayed on too long in relation to that and i think like it's an incredibly brave thing to turn around and say well if i can't get the best out of myself then i'm not gonna take the piss out of everybody else and um yeah you just blow me away by you blew me away by your opening statement and i've been trying to get myself back on track since but um look it's been incredible to have you on incredible
0: thanks Neil. thanks for having yeah. me it's uh it's uh one of those things that I I almost felt that I was gonna feel guilty if I uh, take someone else's spot and uh, like uh, it's it's weird I' never wanted someone else to say look you're not performing and I took that away from the coaches and I just said I know I'm not gonna start performing in the next six months so I'd rather say goodbye now and uh, that probably sh- uh, shocked them but I think when I started looking back they probably, they probably saw that there's a bit of a There's a bit of an edge missing.
1: Your legacy is intact, CJ, because you didn't go and sign for the Bulls or the Sharks or the Stormers, which everyone predicted. I was asked that several times as well in different (laughs) interviews. So you didn't do that. Um, You're still only 32. I retired at 36 so I think there's still a couple of years. Uh, you might, uh, you might go back and play yet. But look, before we kind of wrap up, we'd love to stay and chat to you for ages. And we've kind of about roundabout ways there, trying to get the, you know, your thoughts and feelings on the journey. As Neve said, brave decision, big decision. Um, you said it yourself. Half your kind of mentor said you were crazy, and the other half said it was brilliant and it was brave, and it was. I think so. Um. We focus a lot on the Munster supporters, but I think the people of Ireland took you into their hearts as well and Mm. the Irish fans as well. So it wasn't just, um, I suppose, Munster was their kind of spiritual home. But when you started playing for Ireland, um, people loved the CJ Stander carries in the Eva and Thoman park. And uh, we missed them. My son now runs uh, with the ball, kind of wraps tight in his hands and (laughs) tries to do the CJ Stander. The CJ Stander sit down, where you sit the opposition down. But... um, no, it's an incredible journey and an incredible story. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, you're, you're fondly remembered as a Munster and Ireland player. And it's great to have you back this week. It was brilliant to have you back on Saturday. Um, we won't go through the matches, but Ireland had a great win against the Springboks on Saturday. It was uh, attritional. It was physical. And I'm sure it will be the same in Cork. You mentioned that um, it will be a special occasion in Cork. Munster kind of... Uh, been very very unlucky with a lot of injuries this season as well Mm -hmm. so a lot of good young players coming through and Neve and myself have been uh, going through that in the last couple of weeks they're in a tough place at the moment but um, Thursday night should be brilliant and then Ireland play play Fiji uh, on Saturday in the next November international final thoughts to you uh, messages to the fans to the rugby public of Ireland um, over to you you can you can it's not a goodbye. It's just uh, maybe you can acknowledge anyone else you want there, and uh, before we finish up. But look, it was brilliant to have you on the pod as well.
0: I'll keep it uh, short and sharp. I always uh, get emotional when I, when I get an opportunity to say uh, something to uh, the supporters. But yeah, just thanks for what you've, uh, um, you've put into a to a young boy and the support we got as a family, and just thank you for everything that. Uh, that you do in general you know i think uh going to every game and uh having an input and uh supporting the team and the players um i just uh i i, I was supported as a, as, a, as a player and as was a person in general you know and i was i was known as cj standard and my wife and my my daughter and uh, we are really grateful to to have uh, been part of uh state rugby and and, and uh, all those things out of the way just be part of of uh, the Irish culture and uh, the Munster supporters and Irish supporters. And thank you for that. Thanks for always having time for me in my good times and my bad times. That's it.
1: Nice nice words, CJ. And I'm sure uh, you'll get a great reception in Cork on, on Thursday as well. Uh, that's it for episode 44 of the Red 78. To make sure you get your podcast straight to your phone every week, just search the Red 78 and press subscribe. Don't forget to get in touch with your thoughts. Uh, you can tweet us at Rugby Channel 15, or send Neve and I, uh, a message on Twitter, or leave a comment on YouTube. Um, thanks a million, CJ. It was great to have you on. Uh, you're being bombarded with questions there from both of us, um, and also thanks to you, Neve, as well. We we we'll, we'll all look forward to Thursday night, and hopefully we get a good performance. Monster will be a special occasion. Thanks, Kenny. Well,
0: thanks, for me and CJ. Thanks for having me. Cheers, Neve. Thanks for having me.
2: The Red 78 with Alan Quinlan and Neil Briggs. Nobody knows monster rugby better.
1: I'd like to think I know a lot.